Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. It's been a bit of a crazy week, right? Just a few people. Was any, did anybody else's power go out? Because mine sure did. Um, I feel like it has been an absolutely crazy week. Power outage, biggest power outage that we've had in the history of Victoria, which is pretty wild. So I hope that everyone did all right. We also had Valentine's Day, which is just always nice. And I feel like uh, maybe by the Lord's sovereign grace, everyone was forced into having a candlelit dinner because we had no power. So it's like, you will be celebrating. Some of you don't want to celebrate Valentine's Day. The Lord said, you will celebrate it. We're cutting off your power. Have a nice night with your wife or your husband, you know, and, and, and celebrate that. But yeah, it was pretty wild. I, I know that I called, um, made a few phone calls or tried to when the power was out. And maybe somebody could explain this to me. They'll tell me after the service. I don't know. But it's weird because even though my battery was full and I checked the reception and my reception, like it had full bars. But for whatever reason, this week, I just wasn't able to make phone calls uh, while the power was out. That's strange. Someone will explain it, but I, I don't know how it works. But I, I made some phone calls and there was a couple of times this happened to me where I was speaking to someone on the line. And I don't know if this ever happens to you, but have you ever been on a phone call and, you know, you pause for them to say something and they don't say anything. And sometimes when that happens to me, you should know I have a high word count so I can bridge the gap. I can speak for both of us if necessary. And, and so the, the line, I guess it, it cut out at some point, but, but I didn't really know that. I didn't understand that. So I had the customary pause. And when I heard nothing, well, I just kept speaking. And, and then I stopped again and there was nothing. And I thought, I guess they want more details about the subject with which we're speaking. So I kept talking. And after a while, I did stop and I was like, I don't think anybody's there. <laughs> and then I had this thought, how long have I been doing this by myself? <laughs> I just talking to myself. And, and I was, didn't realize the connection had actually been severed. And I was thinking, I wonder how easy it is for us sometimes as Christian people to have our connection with God severed, but we don't actually realize it. We're not actually aware. We think there's a connection there. We think that we're speaking, but actually it's just us doing it all by ourselves. And I thought, wow, that can happen so easy. And that's definitely not something that we want. We want to be connected to the presence of God. But I've discovered that there are some things that we can do in our lives that can sever that connection. They can sever that intimacy and that closeness that we have. And so I wanted to ask you guys a question this morning. I, I think a very important question, because sometimes we don't always know if the presence of God is with us. I know in the Old Testament, it was really easy. Like there were moments where God was a pillar of fire. And so, you know, like obviously if the pillar of fire is there, you're like, the Lord's presence is here. And then God became, it was a cloud. And so I guess if you're wandering through the desert and the cloud goes left, so do you, because it's really obvious where God is, is going. Um, I know for those in the Old Testament, it was really easy to know when they had the Ark of the Covenant, uh, did you ever see that movie, uh, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Did you ever see that? 
Um, that was not a true depiction of what happens when you look at the, I just want to say, you know, you're allowed to look at it. Don't touch it, but you're allowed to look at it. Even now, as I say this, I have a visual image of some guy's face melting. Uh, did you, I don't know, if you haven't seen it, you're probably not missing that much. I mean, great movie, but that scene um, probably needed to be a little bit more informed. I'm like, why didn't this script inform that script? I don't know, but, but your face wasn't supposed to melt if you looked at the ark. But, but at least when the ark was there, they, they knew that the presence of God was with them. Sometimes it's hard for us to know. I want to ask you a question today. Is the stuff that's in your life right now bringing you closer to or pushing you further from God? Is the stuff that's in your life right now, is it bringing you into the presence of God or is it pushing you away from the presence of God. I want to read a scripture to you and it comes out of Galatians chapter 5. It says in verse 16, Paul writing, he said, But I say walk, which means to live. It means to behave. So walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So when we talk about the flesh, we're talking about people's um, desire to want to go against what God has taught in the scriptures. So, so you know, you have a sin nature, you're born with one. And, and he says, you know, sometimes our, our, our body wants to sin and, and he's saying, we've we got to look at this stuff. So sometimes, sometimes if we don't, we don't always know if somebody has a strong connection with God. We don't always know that. But sometimes you look at people and if they do have a strong connection with God, you should be able to see some fruit. There should be some evidence. And if you were to look at a person who said, oh, I love God and we have a close connection, but everything they did was the opposite of what God has asked, you'd have to ask some questions, wouldn't you? And say, I don't, I don't know if that connection is as strong as you think. He says in verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. In other words, he's saying, you can't have both. You can't embrace, embrace both at the same time. He says, these things are to keep you from doing the things that you want. And then he, I'm going to jump to verse 25. He says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, if you want to walk in the presence of God, then you need to obey Him. If you want to walk in the presence of God, you need to obey Him. I want to preach a message to you today called... Can I have my cake and eat it? Can I have my cake and eat it? I don't know if you have a person in your life that takes forever to order their meal when you go to a restaurant. Do you have someone like that? You might be married to them. I am. It's true. Uh, guys, it's not a sin. It's just that's what she does. And we will go out for like a meal and I, the, the, the waiter or the waitress will come over to me and I'll see them. And I've already decided, like I'll look at the menu and I'm like, I'll just choose something. And when they come over and they say, hey, are you guys ready to order? I, I realize, I, I know this, my wife is not ready to order. She is never ready to order. But I don't want to say no to them because I'm very hungry. And I know what happens. I, I get this sort of small, almost mild anxiety that I will never see that person again. I, I say to them, oh, we are not ready yet. Could you come back in five minutes? But it's never five minutes. They always say, would you like me to come back in a few minutes? And I give them a look. This is true. I say, but just a few minutes, okay? Like, please come back soon. 
because I am very, very hungry. So when this happens, like I'm having a conversation with the person who's taking our order and Sarah, I look back at her, she is still looking at the menu and all I see is the top of her head. She hasn't decided yet and she needs that extra time to make a decision. And, and you know, I've discovered this over time. I don't even fight it anymore. I just embrace it. I know we're never ready the first time that someone comes over and I want to have a nice meal. Why ruin a good night by me getting frustrated that she hasn't made a decision yet. So, so I, I just accept that this is the way that it is. Now, the problem, of course, is not that, you know, Sarah doesn't like anything on the menu. Um, she likes a lot of things on the menu and she's having trouble choosing. She's having trouble making a choice. Whoa, what do I really want? Uh, we sometimes have trouble making choices. I reckon the generation that, that is being raised today Man, they, they just have trouble making choices because they don't know how it was in my day. They don't know how it was in my day. Back in my day, the way things were is you couldn't have it all. You had to make a decision. Back in my day, you couldn't just have your phone line and the internet. You had to make a decision. You had to choose, do I want to speak to someone or be on the internet? And if someone in your family was tying up that line, you're like, come on, I need to use Yahoo. I need to update my, what, what, what's, the, what's the thing? MySpace. I've got to update my MySpace, you know. And so you had to make a decision. But you know what? They, they don't live like that anymore. They can have it all. We, we, we live in a society and a culture that wants to have it all, all all the time. There was a ad on TV about 10 years ago. It was made uh, very famous by a little girl who solved a very significant problem for our culture. Uh, people were having this great discussion. Do we want to have soft tacos or hard tacos? And they didn't know. And then some genius little girl said, Pocanolos dos, why not have both? And they brought out a packet with soft and hard shells. Amazing. I, I, I think we live in a culture where people want it. We're raising a soft generation who just want it all, all of the time, right? But here's the problem. You can't always have it all, all the time. You can't have it all, all the time. In fact, your heart, and this is a problem, your heart holds the tension of loving many things simultaneously. Your heart will hold the tension of loving many things simultaneously. It's easy to do something that you love. It's easy. Someone comes to me and says, uh, you know, Ben, hey, would you like to sit down and watch the NBA? Easy decision. Yes, absolutely. You, you're not that thing. In fact, last week I discovered that I probably should have pointed out Steph Curry is a, is a guy. Because a lot of people are like, so who's this female NBA basketball player? Um, like, so I get, you don't, that's not your thing. I get it. I understand it. Uh, uh, but, but maybe your thing is, like someone says, hey, do you want to go gaming online? And you're like, here we go. That's my thing. That's my thing. That's my thing. For some of you, you're like, no, can't, couldn't stand that. But it's like, would you like to sit down and read a book in some quiet space? You're like, oh, that's my thing, right? So, so we have these things. Do you want to go to the movies? Oh, that's my thing. Um, you know, when, when, when somebody invites you to do something that you like, if you like it, it's just an easy yes. And, and so what our heart loves many, many things. When you become a Christian, something is meant to happen to you, though. There's an effect that, that uh, saying yes to Jesus is supposed to have. And there's a theological term for this, and we call it the expulsive power of the new affection. And what that means is, is that when you say yes to Jesus, that love for Him and that response for Him is so powerful that it dethrones everything else that could be on the seed of your heart. 
when you turn to God and you love Him with all of your heart, it's all that stuff that you love. It's, it's not that you don't like it anymore. You still like it, but Jesus has got the number one spot. And that's what happens when that thing functions properly. It puts Jesus in His right place. Now, your heart loves many things. And the problem is Jesus said that you will only ever serve one master. So he said you will love one thing and despise the other. His example, of course, was that you can't serve God and money. You're going to serve one or the other. You can't have both at the same time. You will choose one, right? Now, why this matters is because there are Christian people all across the planet right now who on the one hand would say, I absolutely want intimacy with the presence of God. I want to hear His voice. When He speaks, I want great clarity over what He says. I want to walk with God and do life with Him. But at the exact same time, they're giving their hearts to other things. And when you give your heart to other things, those things become idols in your life. And it's very easy to get an idol. An idol is anything that takes the place in your heart above Jesus. Jesus is supposed to have the number one spot. But if something else is in that space, on the seat of your heart, on the throne of your heart, then that becomes the object of your affection. And you have got to know, as Jesus said so well, you can't have two things. You'll always have one. The thing you really love is going to win in the end. Paul said, uh, the flesh and the spirit are opposed to each other. So he's saying you can't have both things and make provision for everything at the same time. You're going to need to choose. African proverb says, man who walks in two directions shall split his pants. And it's smart to pay attention to that because most of us know that as a person, you can't walk in two directions. You are going to walk in one direction. And, but if you try, you end up splitting things in, in your heart. You cannot have your cake and eat it. Eventually, you're going to need to choose. You can't have it all. You can't have your cake and eat it. Eventually, you're going to need to choose. And many Christians have split their pants <laughs> trying to have both, <laughs> trying to have it all. I want to make provision in my life for this stuff, and I, and I love the Lord. I love the Lord, and I also love cake. You know, like I love the Lord, but I also want this other thing that I, that I find really tempting in my life. Okay, sure, it's, well, it might be cake, but it's, oftentimes it's more serious than that. Sometimes it's not cake, it's, sometimes it's your career. You know, like, God, I, I want you to be number one, but your career becomes so important. It's not just your career. It's the drive to succeed and to be seen as a success in the eyes of other people. And, and you get so wrapped up and so caught up. Do you, do you know anybody in your life that never has time to come to church because they're always working? 
And yet the Bible says things like, you know, uh, that we shouldn't give up meeting together as is the habit of some. And yet some people make it a habit. So they're so used to working that it's no longer even a conversation. They don't, they're not really listening to what the Word says. They're just so caught up working and just so busy all the time. So sometimes people get caught up in their career and it's their success. And what they're saying is, I want this deep and intimate relationship with you, God. I want to be immersed in your presence, but I'm going to give all my time and all my energy, my heart to my work. And they want both, but you can't have it. We're going to take a steep incline right now to something even more significant because I think it matters, actually. It's really important. God, I want to have a deep and intimate relationship with you, but can I feed my pornography addiction at the same time as having a deep and intimate relationship with you? It's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard to feed that addiction and at the same time have a very close relationship with God. God, can I, can I sleep with my girlfriend or can I sleep with my, my boyfriend and have a really close and intimate relationship with you? It's going to be really hard. It's going to be hard to have these things at the same time and yet there would be people all over the world that would say, I do, I seriously, I really do want an intimate relationship with God. And at the exact same time, they're making provision for things that will take them out of the presence of, do you see the tension? Do you see the tension? I want to read a scripture to you because there is a lot of tension in this. In Romans chapter 7, verse 22, uh, Paul says, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. All right, so that's my soul. So in my inner being, I delight in him. I, I love him. I want, I want to be wrapped up in his presence. He says in verse 23, but I see in my members, which is your body. That's the flesh that we were reading about earlier. So, but in my members, in my body, another war, another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. That's my body. And then he says this wretched Man that I am, wretched man that I am. Paul's so disappointed with where he is at. He feels the tension that a lot of people feel sometimes. And he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he answers his own question and he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, or thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who, which is kind of like saying, yes, of course, Jesus can deliver you. But it's agony to live this way, and it just tears people apart. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Paul said, whoever you obey, that's what you're, or whatever you obey, that's what you're enslaved to. And so who can deliver you from the slavery that you find yourself in? Well, yes, of course, Jesus can. But if you try to embrace both things at the same time, if you try to have it all. If you try to have your cake and eat it, it starts to tear people's soul apart. And it's horrible. It's horrible. Not everyone makes it through, guys. Not everyone does. Sometimes when people struggle with this stuff, they, they leave their relationship with God. They don't go to church anymore. And they don't go because they can't deal with the tension while trying to make provision and trying to have it all at the same time. Compromise will always lead you away from the presence of God. It will. 
Compromise will lead you away from the presence of God because, and this is the reason why you don't want to come into the presence, because you feel guilty. Because you are guilty. That's why you feel it. Because you know in your heart that you're embracing something that the Lord has said, you can't go there and you can't do that. And I'm meant to be first and you're worshipping other things and, and you just can't do it. Solomon said the small foxes spoil the vineyard. It's the small things. If you look across the vineyard and it looks beautiful, the foxes are below the line that you can see. And there they are destroying the vineyard. It's like that in people's lives sometimes. You come to church and you look good on the surface, but it's the stuff below the line that we can see that's actually destroying you from the inside out. And there's a tension. It's like some, there's something small that's in your life that's actually eroding your relationship with God. And you want intimacy with God and you want to have that strong connection with Him, but you're allowing stuff that continues to pull you away from the presence of God. And here's what will happen. Eventually, you'll either lower God's standard to where you're comfortable with and delude yourself that God is happy with you. That's, that's one option. Or you'll try to embrace both things and live with that tension. I mean, there is a third option. People that can't live with the, with the tension and know that they're crossing the line, they just leave altogether and you never see them again. And so why am I saying this message? Well, because my goal for you, just so you know, number one thing, I want you to be successful in life. I want you to, you know, have good things and have great relationships. I want you to have all that. But you should know that the thing that I want for you more than anything else is for you to have a deep, intimate, rich connection with God. I want you to have um, the most profound relationship with God. I want you to walk in His presence. I don't want you to hear His voice. And I don't want you to think that you can live in a world where you can have it all and embrace the stuff that God says. No, you can't have that and think that it's going to be okay. I know this is really simple, but, but it's profound. If you want to walk with God, then you're going to need to choose Him because you can't have both. If you're going to want to walk with God, if you want to walk with God, you need to choose Him. Now, what I just said is so simple. It really is. You know what I've discovered is that just because something's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Like sometimes the simplest things are the hardest things to do in life. And so the simplicity of giving up all those other things and dethroning them and saying, Jesus, I'll obey you and I want to do everything that you want me to do is a simple thing, but it's a very hard thing to do sometimes. And I should know because this was my experience. I mean, I remember when I was 21 years old and I rededicated my life to Jesus. I mean, guys, the first 12 months were a bit of a train wreck. I gave my life to God and I, I had a genuine encounter with Him. And for 12 months, I thought, hey, how about I could do this? I've got one foot in Camp Jesus and one foot in the other camp, which is all the other stuff that I refused to give up for 12 months. And I tried to hold the tension of both. And I can tell you, it eroded my soul. I felt terrible all the time. I hated that experience. It was the worst feeling because I'd go into church and I'd be thinking, oh man, firstly, I, I, I started downgrading 
what God was okay with to a level that I was comfortable with. But the longer I got into His presence, the more I realized, wow, I don't think I can keep embracing that stuff, but I wasn't prepared to give it up. And so I felt this incredible tension in my life. What am I going to do? Which way am I going to go? And the weird thing is for me is that no matter what, I kept going to church. And I don't know if on the surface it looked like the vineyard was okay, but beneath the surface, stuff was eroding my faith. Stuff was destroying the life that I really wanted with God. And eventually I got to a place where I thought, man, I'm going to have to make a decision one way or the other. I just can't keep living two lives. If I keep trying to walk in two directions, I'm going to split my pants. If I keep walking two directions, I'm going to split my soul. I'm going to struggle with this. This is going to tear, this thing is going to absolutely tear me apart. And I am just, maybe I'm projecting, but I don't think so. I think there's a lot of people that feel this. I think there's a lot of people who on one hand say, Lord, I want intimacy with you. But on the other hand, they say there's stuff in my life and I know I need to get rid of it. Now, for me in that 12 months, the condition that I was in, okay, let me try and say this another way. Was I saved? Yeah, yeah, but it was pretty hard to tell. I mean, because I said that before, like if you want, you're trying to figure out, hey, does someone have a relationship with God. And we were saved by grace through faith in Christ. Our connection with God is everything that, that saves us, right? So, so if somebody looked at my life and they saw the fruit that I was producing, they might say, I'm not sure. I don't know. I think sometimes it's a bit silly trying to figure out if someone is or not. You know, we, we don't always know. See, this is what happens with people when they first give their life to Jesus. What happens is the gospel comes in and a seed is sown and sometimes and occasionally, by the grace of God, that fruit produces instantly. But oftentimes what happens is that thing needs to grow. And it's a while before you start to see the fruit. And that's exactly where I was. So, so was I saved? Yeah. Oh, but we had no connection. We had no connection. And I was saved, but it's not like we walked in close proximity to each other. I was... I am convinced that the only thing that eventually got me there or got me across the line to be in a, that better place or relationship with God is the fact that I kept beholding Him. The fact that I, and I did because I kept going back to church. I kept looking into the face of God and, and, and seeing Him you know, in worship experiences. And after a while, it started to have a transformational effect on me. I kept looking at God and, and I kept going and, and, and trying to embrace two lives at the same time, but it was never going to work. And I guess what I'm saying to you is that you can be saved, but have no connection with God. What do you want? No, seriously, what do you want? Because there's a lot of people on the planet, a lot of Christians who would settle for being saved. They would say, it's enough for me. I'm going to get there in the end. I go to church. I, you know, sing the songs. I know that I'm saved by grace through faith in Christ. I'll take you to Ephesians 2, show you the scripture. I get it, right? Yeah, yeah, but they have no intimacy with God. They, have, they don't walk with Him. They don't walk in the presence. And it's so much easier to just accept that you're saved. But I reckon that there are people that say, I want more than that. 
I, I don't want to live a life where all I am is saved. There are people that say, I won't settle for that. I, I want the, the intimacy that I can have. And you know what I think about this? I think if there is provision for this in the scriptures, then don't you want to go after it? No, seriously. If God is no respecter of persons, if He simply responds to faith, and what we do as Christian people is that we see how we treated the people in the Bible and we see how they walked with Him and, and how they had a deep relationship with, with God. Don't you realize that what was open to them was open to us? And if it's open to us, isn't there something that stirs in you to say, I want more than just being saved. I, I, I want to walk with God. I want to hear His voice so clearly in the season that's ahead of my life. There's got to be a hunger that's rising up in a few people, you know, that says, I want more than this. Don't just settle for the routine. Don't settle for the rhythm. There's so much more. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, and you might know this off by heart now, but he says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God. Beholding means to mirror gaze. It means to look deeply into the beauty of who Jesus is. It's that we who look into the beauty of Jesus are being transformed into the same image, so becoming more like Christ from one degree of glory to another. You've got to keep looking. You've got to keep looking and, and stop giving your heart away to other things. If you keep giving your heart away to other things, eventually you're going to find yourself walking away from the presence of God. And if this was all the message was today, I mean... That, that last scripture is encouraging, I'll admit, but if this is all that it was today, that might be a little bit discouraging. So I just want to tell you something that's very, very true. You are created by a God who absolutely loves you and He wants to walk with you. It's one thing to try to walk with someone who doesn't want to walk with you, but Man, does he want to walk with you? He wants to walk with you so much that Father, Son, Holy Spirit were all in heaven before the world was created. And when people continued to struggle with their sin, they said, look, these guys are failing bad. We're never going to come into the presence of God based on how good we can be, based on our behaviour. We, we, we tried. We, we tried everything. We tried every covenant that we could do. We, we actually said essentially to God, and I'm summarizing very seriously, paraphrasing, God, if you just tell us the right things to do, we'll do it and then we can come close to you. And after a long period of failing, Jesus said, you can't do it, but I can. And God wants to be so close to you that He sent Jesus to come from heaven to earth. And you know that perfect life that you can't live, that is supposed to be the thing that you think will take you into the presence of God, that very thing that you couldn't do is the very thing that Jesus did. He came from heaven to earth, lived a perfect life, and then He did something incredible. He said, I've lived a perfect life, but now I'm going to pay the penalty for all of your sins and all of your mistakes, and I will give you the perfect life that I've lived in place of your sinful one. And because you have that, you can come into the presence of God because it's all by grace. You see what I'm saying? 
I mean, if, if we learn anything from the Bible, if we learn anything from the cross, wouldn't it be that there is a God in heaven that loved people with an intensity that it's so hard to communicate with words? It's, it must be experienced. It must be felt. Because my words today would fail to communicate how much He loves you. But if you just look at the facts, He came for people. When they offered Him nothing, He gave them everything. Lived a perfect life. If you, if you understand and you look at the cross and see the penalty that He paid, or how about this? I mean, how about the fact that the Ark of the Covenant was separated by a thick veil that kept people from the presence of God because if you touched it, you would surely die as is the holiness of God. But yet at the cross, the veil was torn. And was He not saying to every single person on the planet that if you wanna come close to me, you can? That if you wanna draw near to me through Jesus Christ and what He's done, that you can come into my presence. I mean, the Gospel teaches us that God is so hungry for people's presence as well. It's not just us seeking Him, it's Him seeking us. And I, I wanted to ask you today, is there an area of your life that you know is compromised? Is there something in your life this morning that you have at some point maybe, maybe given your heart to? Is there an area where you're just colouring outside the lines? You just know that there's, there's a margin of error. There's some things that you make provision for, and I want to say, give it up today. Choose Him. Give up everything and anything that would separate you from the God who loves you this much. I, I would add to that, honour the gift that's on your life. Do you know what I believe? I believe that every single person is called by God to come into His presence. Now, some will say yes, and they enter into a relationship with God through Jesus. And they enter into a saving relationship. But I believe every single person has a calling on their life. And when you get saved, you're, you're taking a step closer because the moment you turn your life over to Jesus, there, there is a call, there's a spiritual gift, there's a grace that's on you. And the body of Christ needs that. It needs that. And the sad part is, is that there are so many people who will never take a step towards the ministry grace that's on their life because of the tension they feel in their relationship with God. I talk about ministry. I, I'm not talking about doing something in church or, or being even on staff at a church. You know what ministry is? It's service. And when you serve God, you'll serve Him anywhere. I mean, you don't need to work at a church for that. You can go out into the world. The reality is, what am I supposed to be doing but equipping the saints for the work of ministry? So where's the ministry meant to take place? Well, it's out there. A lot of it's out there. And there's a lot of people with a gift and a grace and a call. There are people that are meant to, they've got a prophetic gift, but they don't use it. Incredible evangelists, but they they don't share and they don't speak and they don't say anything. Shepherds that just aren't doing anything with their gift. And what's the reason for that? Because there's a tension in their life. They know they're living two lives and they understand that they cannot step into ministry and at the same time give their heart to something else. The reason that they don't do it is because they want it all. They want it all and they know that they can't have it, but they feel enabled to break free from it. It's a tension. It's a terrible place to be. It looks different in different people's lives. I mean, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it is an unhealthy relationship. And you just, you already know it's unhealthy. You just allow it to be there, influencing you and taking you away from the presence of God. 
For some people, yeah, maybe it's a secret addiction. For others, their heart is after uh, success, it's career, it's money, and you've, you've never considered yourself one that bows down to money. You just spend all your time chasing it and none of your time chasing Him. That's how you know it's an idol in your life. You know that that kind of stuff is an idol like when we get to the offering time and it offends you that the church says, hey, let's give today generously and build the house of God and see the gospel go and spread to all corners of the earth. And that offends you. I mean, if it does, you've probably got an idol in there because the people that love Jesus, I mean, they surpass giving easily on the way to devoting their entire life. If I was really going to be honest with you about what God wants from you, (laughs) it's not your wallet, it's your entire life. It's your entire heart. You know, and and I'll tell you something else. Those that lose their life for His sake, they find life. They do. They do. And there are some people that will never lose their life for the things of Christ because they're so ensnared in the life that they're living. And I'm like, come on, you can't have it all. Eventually, you've got to come to a place where you're going to choose. Now, I don't know what it is for you. And I don't know if there is something in your heart right now that you already know that you need to give up. But if there is, you've been thinking about it for the last 15 minutes because you already know it's there. And Lord, can't. this is what the Lord does. He actually starts to convict people. And that conviction, you know what that is? That's the Lord saying, hey, come on, let's work through this. Let, let's deal with this. The Lord, the Lord wouldn't convict you if He didn't love you. That's, that's why that feeling is there. That's why you have that. Now, I don't know where you are today. And um, I don't know what kind of problems, challenges you're facing or what the tension is in your life. But people have been living with this for a long time. And I want to share a quick story with you just as I finish. And it's a story about a guy who, uh, who was married and, and uh, he, he decided that he was going to have an affair. And then to cover up that affair, he decided he was going to murder the husband of this woman because he got her pregnant and he needed to cover it up. His name was King David. You can read about this story in the Bible. And I guess I don't know what you're dealing with today, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not that. So I guess what I'm saying is, I don't know what tension you have today, but I'm going to put this above just by faith right now. I'm looking at you. Yeah, you look pretty trustworthy. I'm going to put David's situation well above whatever you're facing today. And David knew that there was something that he'd lost in the connection with God, but he didn't want to live that way anymore. And so he comes back to God and he writes down his prayer. And we can read it in Psalm 51. I want to read to you verse 9. He says... Hide your face from my sins. That's exactly how you feel when you've sinned before the Lord. You're like, God, don't look at me. You want to come into His presence because you feel that sense of guilt and shame. He says, blot out all of my iniquities. That's the guilt that comes with that. He says in verse 10, create in me a clean heart. Do you know what that really means? He's saying, God, I've made a mistake, but what I need today is a fresh start. Isn't that beautiful? You know, the the, the Scriptures say that His mercies are new every morning. Isn't that beautiful? David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Do you know what the word right spirit means? It means loyalty. It means an undivided spirit. 
I will not come to you and have my heart here and my heart there. I refuse to walk in two directions at the same time. I give you my loyalty. I give you an undivided heart. I'm coming to you and you alone. You take the throne of my heart. I love you with everything and everything else can be a distant second to who you are. Renew in me a right spirit. He says in verse 11, cast me not away from your, what? Presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Hey, the Lord won't take His Holy Spirit from you. That's the one thing you need to get past the season that you're in. How good is that? I don't know where you're at today, but there is a real big difference between being in a relationship with God where you know that you're saved and one where you're walking in His presence. And I'm telling you today that every single person that says, I need a fresh start, I need a clean slate, If you want that, I'm telling you right now today, you can have it. But here's what you've got to do. You've got to come to Him with an undivided heart. That means you need to shut the door on some stuff that's actually a distraction to you. You've got to shut the door on that relationship. You've got to shut the door on the stuff that you're looking at. You've got to shut the door on those things and say, God, I just want you. And how good is this? If you say that to Him, you can have Him. (laughs) That's amazing. So open to every single person. So here's what I want to do. I want want to pray for anyone that's in that situation today. Why don't you close your eyes across this place? I'm asking the production team. I'm asking everyone. I mean, I I just want to give people this moment. If you're in this place today right now, and you would say with all honesty in your heart that there is something that your heart has got entangled with, that there's something that, that is maybe in the seat where Jesus is supposed to be, and, and the whole time I've been speaking, you know there's something that you need to get rid of in your life. I'm saying you've got an opportunity to come with a heart undivided and say, God, all I want is you. And if you're here today and you want God to help you and you want to walk in the presence of God, could you just raise your hand right now? So yeah, awesome. Come on. Yes, yes, yes. Is there more people that are saying, I, I've given my heart to other things, but today with undivided loyalty, I am coming back to you. I'm gonna close the door on some stuff that's not okay in my life. I'm gonna separate myself from that so I can come into your presence. One more time, if there's anyone here that says there's something, it's a little thing, but it's in the way, it's a small fox, but it's eroding my relationship with you, Jesus. I I just wanna know you. I'm telling you right now, the presence of God is gonna come into this room and touch your life. Father, for every person with a hand raised right now that says, God, I want you, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come? And I ask God, firstly, that they would know in their hearts that they are forgiven, that Lord, you paid the penalty for their sins and their mistakes. And I pray, God, that the thing that they encounter in this moment is your grace. I pray grace upon grace upon grace upon grace to be multiplied to you. And Lord, there are people in this room that in their heart, they know there's something that they need to give up and they need to walk away from. And I pray, God, that you would give them the strength to walk away from that. I pray, God, that their undivided heart today would not become compromised tomorrow when they get around the wrong people or the wrong situation or they find themselves in a tempting situation. I pray, God, that all of that would be gone. And Lord, today they're saying, I'm crossing the line and saying, God, I am yours and you are mine. And I don't want to just be saved. I want to walk in your presence. I want to feel the reality of your presence in my life. I want to hear you more clearly. And I want you more than I want anything else. And I pray, God, would you come by the power of your Holy Spirit? And I pray, God, set them free in this room right now. Set them free. I pray in Jesus' Name, chains to be breaking off of people right now. 
the things that have enslaved you in Jesus' name, I pray they'd be broken. Jesus is the one who heals. Jesus is the one who delivers. He can deliver you. Don't go back to that. Go after Him. Continue to seek Him with all of your heart. And I pray that you walk in the grace and favour of God for the rest of your life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.